And good afternoon and welcome to hour number two, another hour and 20 minutes before we hand things off to the LSU Sports Network. The Tigers taking on Jacksonville State, a ball club that comes in here as the FCS level, but uh, no typical FCS team, a dominant program. They went all the way uh, to the championship game last year and lost a four-time champion, North Dakota State, but put a scare in the life of Auburn last season, losing in overtime. 260-187 is the number. Get involved. Were you expecting a tight game or a blowout by the Tigers? It is our Paredes Jaguar opinion poll at WWL.com. EST by Bear. I'm Deke Bellavid. Jeff Palermo, columnist at WWL.com. And sports director Louisiana Network joins us now. Uh, Jeff, I was asking T-Bob this earlier. Uh, you walk up to campus. What What is this campus like today? Um, like an 11 a.m. kickoff on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's hot and it's later in the afternoon. I mean, and there's a few factors, obviously, other than just uh, how they played last week. But it, it is pretty toasty out here, and the opponent isn't that great. But a lot of it is is just uh, what happened last year. It took all the all the uh, helium out of the balloon last week, the way they played against the Badgers. Yeah, this was supposed to be, we kind of talked about this, was supposed to be the kind of uh, the exhale. You just catch your breath yeah, after right. a big win, and then you look forward to the rest of the season. Completely different environment today. Uh, how do you think, Jeff, how, how do you think the players handle what is going to be a kind of not the most welcome Tiger Stadium, right? It welcoming, it seems weird to play a home game and maybe not have the crowd on your side, but that's a bit how tonight's games feel. Well, I, I would imagine when the, uh, the band uh, performs right before kickoff, uh, the fans that will be in Tiger Stadium they will be pretty excited. They'll welcome the team as they run through uh, underneath the goalposts. But if they struggle... You know, three and out on that first drive or even in the first couple of possessions, they, they don't do much. Uh, you're going to hear a cascade of boos coming from these fans. And I'm also interested to find out, you know, how many people are going to be here tonight. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't My guess is maybe 75, 80. Thousand? Well, is that is that you guys think that's a pretty good yeah. estimate? Well, and then ever since they uh, upgraded to a hundred thousand, they very rarely fill yeah. it nowadays, and it kind of looks well. It doesn't. It just doesn't look the best when you have that many empty seats. I think you can right. expect a lot more tonight. And the problem and that's is, what Jeff, you get, Bob, too. We talked about this last year. Uh, is that you know how do you ensure you know you get that field even if you dominate Wisconsin is you don't it's, it's it goes by the opponent a lot yeah, of times yeah and 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 that's why look college football I know y'all talk I heard y'all talking about sports talk this week but these games are slowly but surely moving away they're being forced out I expect a ninth conference game eventually oh, yeah. I expect more power five matchups like we saw in week one but Jeff, you were talking about how this is a crowd that if you struggle early, it could turn. It could it, it could get negative, start booing. And, and the problem for LSU is this is a Jacksonville State team that it is – if it's a cupcake, it's a poisonous cupcake. Like, this is not just a, a your average pushover type of uh, FCS team. No, lost to Auburn in overtime um, a couple of years ago. Beat Ole Miss, yep. what, in 2011, yep. 2010? Somewhere around there. 2010, I think. So – yeah, this is not uh, the kind of game where I think you can get uh, well in, I guess is the best yep. way to put it, where LSU comes off a really disappointing loss and they know that they can show up the next week and, and work on some of the things and correct some of the issues that they had and that they're going to perform very well or at a high level in this game. So uh, if, if LSU's looking ahead to the matchup against Mississippi State or you know Auburn or, or whatever, they're – They'll be in trouble today. I, I think this game is going to be rather competitive. I don't see LSU blowing this team off the field. Yeah. 
Jeff Palermo is here with us. Check him out uh, at uh, Jeff Palermo LRN on Twitter. And Jeff, uh, where you were at last night? Prep game. Uh, last night I had uh, St. Aug in Scotlandville. Okay, so, a lot of talent there. Yeah, Scotlandville's got uh, Kelvin Joseph, who's a defensive back, considered one of the top players in 2018, and obviously LSU looking at him. So, and then both quarterbacks are. Good quarterbacks, Justice McCoy for the uh, Purple Knights and Levi Lewis for Scotlandville is going to UL Lafayette. Jeff, now when you look last week, a depth chart going into the uh, Wisconsin game on the offensive line, the left side, K.J. Malone, William Clapp, Posick was the center, uh, Mayo Tahima was at the right guard, Toby Weathersby was at the right tackle, and Colin Jeter at tight end. Uh, your assessment, of course, it changed up a little bit because of things that took place and some injury, but your assessment on the offensive line, do they have who they want, you think, and they, they're just waiting for somebody to get healed? Is it still a work in progress? What about this offensive line? I, I would say it's a work in progress. Um, I, I agree with what Coach Miles had to say on Monday that it's hard for this offensive line, or, or it has been hard for this offensive line to build any kind of cohesiveness because of the minor injuries that uh, they dealt with during fall camp, and it was hard to just try to put it together and, and hope that it would excel. But still, you were you were hoping for a little bit more uh, against Wisconsin. It, the fact that they allowed so many guys to just come in untouched, that was the biggest concern. And it was happening with veteran players, too, like Ethan Postick and Will Clapp. So I think this is a group that's um, – it, it could definitely play better than what it did against Wisconsin, but I don't think this is a is an offensive line that's going to go down when it's all said and done at the end of the year is one of the best ever in LSU history. Jeff, when you look at the 3-4 alignment last week, what, what was your first initial thought on, on the defense? Seemingly they had to make a few adjustments. I thought they got better as the game yeah. wore, considering they were on the field for 75 80% of the time. But but your take on the defense? Uh, I thought Arden Key played really, really well. Uh, I thought Kendall Beckwith had a good game. Um, you know, they we saw a lot of Trevante Valentine. I think he did what they're asking him to do. He's obviously a guy that's got a bright future. Um, yeah, I, I thought they played well. I, I was expecting to see a little bit more um, exoticness to it, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, Wisconsin caught LSU off guard on some blitzes. I don't think Wisconsin was caught off guard by anything that LSU did. But then again, they they know what Dave Aranda is trying to do yeah. defensively. So, And, and it's, it's a first game. I, I remember, I think it was John Chavis' first game where they gave up 500 yards against uh, Wisconsin or uh, Washington. Bo Pelini's Jake first, Locker, yeah. Yeah, Bo Pelini's first game as defensive coordinator. That wasn't very good. Was that was I guess it was the Arizona State game. They gave yeah. up a ton of yards. So that's a work in progress, but um, I you still gotta feel really good about where this defense is going. All right, we'll take a break visiting with Jeff Palermo at Jeff Palermo L R N, sports director Louisiana Network, columnist at WWL.com. Get Jeff's take on the Tigers taking on Jacksonville State and also where the fan base is right now as far as is this fan base a divided one and what about the loyal core less mile supporters did they even kind of get a little bit surprised and maybe started going the other way last week after what they saw on an unimaginative offense after they were promised they would see somewhat of a little different feel to the lsu tiger offense he's t bob abraham deke bellavia counting it down to lsu and jacksonville state here on the home of the saints and the tigers wwl and welcome back counting you down to lsu and Jacksonville State, the Gamecocks in town. Thanks so much, as always, each and every year. You know, it's not an it's not an official, but you know, on Sundays you hear say that uh, the Saints Radio Network studio food is provided by Reginelli's. Well, T. Bob and I tailgate food is provided by the boys on the Bayou. Yeah, La- Lafont and Abel yep. always take care of us. And I was joking with them. You know, they brought their game face today because 
if you go by performance, I was expecting some Vienna sausage and potted meat and maybe some tuna fish, but they did uh, they did jambalaya, they did sandwiches. I mean, they really hooked it up, T. Bob. Yeah. Always, always gracious, gracious host. And I already, uh, I already finished an <laughs> right. entire bowl of jambalaya and the sandwich right. in the right. break there. And no, no hungry, no growing boy. No truth to the rumor there was a scuffle at six o'clock this morning with somebody parking their parking spot for the first time in 33 years. They said it, was, it, it all got away for peaceful. So thanks so much to LaFont Abe for the hookup as always. Jeff Palermo, columnist at WWL.com, Louisiana Network Sports Director. Jeff, T-Bob and I hit on this earlier. There's, uh, I guess there's three kind of fans. There's the bandwagon fans that, you know, oh, I'm, right. I'm going to have the jersey on. They're the kind of fans that they, in their closet, they got a Chicago Bull jersey. <laughs> they got a New York Yankee jersey, probably a San Francisco jersey, <laughs> a Saints one. And, and a New England one, meaning they, they, they've been with the winners forever, right, all their lives. Right, right. And then there's the fans that are kind of like, tell it like it is, and, and they're, they're legitimate. And then there's the fans that's like, no matter what a program does, they can't do no wrong. They look through the equivalent gold glasses. Last week, th- this is just a feel I got with people calling in talking, the diehard core supporters of this program, regardless of who's the coach here, they're going to put their money in the envelope, whether it's $10 or $10,000, they are going to support they were upset. And yeah. I, don't, I don't call those fans dumb. I don't call those fans wrong because they were promised something and they believed in the program and they didn't get jacked. They got fooled just like the rest of them, just like I did. I wasn't expecting this team to come out in five wides, but I was expecting something a little different, Jeff. What happens now when, when you lose, your program loses, your core supporters? And I don't say they join the other side, the masses, but they get upset and they're saying, you know what, okay, now something has to be done. That's I've been thinking about this whole week because I haven't come across one person this week and say, you know what, I I still I still think Les is doing the right thing. Or I remember last November I I would run into those people quite a bit. Yeah, I I mean it was it was fifty fifty sixty four whatever it might have been. I I didn't over these few days I didn't come across it at all, and I thought it was really telling at the uh, LSU Board of Supervisors yesterday at their meeting they had the agenda item to. approve the incentive if LSU, the $100,000 incentive that would go to Coach Les Miles if the team reaches the national championship game. Right. They read the agenda item. They don't even mention Les Miles' name, and then they quickly defer it because they can bring it up later on. It doesn't need to be brought up. But They went out of their way, though. Yeah, they went out of their way. They went out of their way, and let me tell you, that I've been watching Board of Supervisor meetings for 15, 16 years, however long I've been at the network. It's the first time I've seen them never really taking right. a, an, a, any kind of action on an item. So that's telling you there. there. There's very few, there's very little support for Coach Les Miles. And, right and you know what that's about? That's almost, Jeff, kind of one of those things you see in D.C. or somewhere on the House and Ways Committee that, yeah. you know, you're going to vote a certain way. That's people behind them saying, right. you better not go in there and vote for anything. You better right. not push anything or you won't be on that board anymore. Yeah. So the people, and I believe the majority of people don't really speak. The majority of people, the, the small amount of people who talk don't represent the majority. But I think the majority now, however they speak, Jeff, whether it's making a phone call or so forth, they started doing it last week. I, I would think so. I would th- I would bet you Joe Oliva had a lot of very interesting comments. Now, or how, had conversations this past week. How does this go? Because, look, it, it kind of feels like Groundhog Day, right? I mean, right. it's a little bit earlier this year, but this is quickly shaping up to be a lot of the same uh, job drama, job security drama that we witnessed last season at LSU. How does it go differently this year? Does it go differently, or, or, or are we going to see another situation in which the higher-ups hang miles out to dry publicly 
then he kind of turns from villain to victim when treated such a way, becomes an empathetic figure? Does it play out differently this season? I, I don't know if he, he will come off as a victim as he did last year. A lot of people said, man, what they're doing to Coach Les Miles is wrong. They're right. dragging him through. This guy's done a lot for the university. He's won a lot of games. I don't think they'll <laughs> – again, I just don't – I don't get that sense that's going to happen right now. Um, and, and, but I think he's going to – regardless of what happens, he's going to make it through the season. I, I can't imagine – it, you know, they just decide to yeah. yank them after they, say, lose to Missouri in the middle of the year. So I don't think that's going to happen. But um, I don't think there is going to be uh, this meeting that's going to happen in the uh, third quarter of the Texas A&M game, and they're going to decide, you know what, let's let's keep them for another year if they don't do what they're expected to do or what they were anticipated to do this season. And, hey Jeff, what about uh, Leonard Fournette? So he had the ankle injury during camp, played last week. Final drive uh, last week, it looks like to me, it didn't look like he twisted or anything. It looked like a bruise of some sort called a helmet to the shin. Uh, What is his status for tonight's game? Well, it's gone from, you know, Monday when we heard from Coach Les Miles, I I think he'll play, to Wednesday, not even discussing whether he's going to practice. And then he had that interview that was posted on lsusports.net that said it's a game-time decision. So to me, it's kind of – it's – it's looking like he is not going to play, and I don't blame him if they don't play him because if you're going to run him against 10- and 11-man fronts all season, yeah. <laughs> then you might as well find a way to give him a, a breather. They, Regardless of uh, you know how down everybody is on this football team, they should win this game. They should win by double digits today, at least. Well, so. and, and then if you hold out Leonard Fournette, maybe you can inspire a little confidence in a player who had a ton of yeah. – who was much heralded coming into the season, Darius Geis, about as uh, as disappointing of an opening game for Geis. Very limited action. The action that he did have obviously resulted in a fumble, in which I don't know if he got dinged, but it didn't look like he realized that he fumbled or something yeah. at the time. It was a bit odd. Uh, so if Fournette doesn't play, do you think that Geis can use this to kind of springboard oh, yeah. into late season form I, from I, I, last think, year. I think he can uh, definitely build his confidence that was a deflating fumble and it was yep. just it was a it, it, the play kind of illustrated how that day was going it, it, it was slow developing you had the fumble the ball's on the ground forever nobody picking it up it, it was just a really deflating play Jeff finally Jacksonville State LSU give us your take I still think this is going to be relatively close I, I can't remember what my uh, prediction was that I put up on uh on WWL.com, but I, I think I, I want to say it was like 28-17. I, I think this is going to be a competitive game tonight. Jeff Palermo, columnist at uh, WWL.com, Louisiana Network Sports Director at Jeff Palermo LR. Jeff, thank you so much for the All time. All right, guys, thanks. All, All right, right, Jeff. We'll take a time out and come back, and we'll get to learn about the Jacksonville State Gamecocks and uh, who this opponent is here on WWL. He is the voice of the Jacksonville State Gamecocks, Mike Parrish, joins us now. Mike, thank you so much for the time. And Jacksonville State, no stranger to big stadiums. They did extremely well at Auburn last uh, season. What, what makes you think that they can come into LSU and pose that type of threat like they did to Auburn a year ago? Well, let's get one thing straight first off. Auburn was ranked number six and went in there last year. And as, as the season wore on, obviously, and we learned Auburn wasn't the number 16 in the country, and the difference is LSU is – much more talented, much deeper than that Auburn team was a year ago. But uh, back to yeah. But then, I'll, I'll, but Mike, I'm gonna play devil's advocate there. I can also <laughs> say LSU dropped 16 places in one week, and, and, and they're not what they thought to be either. I understand where you're coming from, Mike. I understand playing the humble approach, but the Baton Rouge fans might disagree with you there. I know Wisconsin's not bad now. You gotta give yeah, you're right. Too. You're right. You're right. 
Oh, me. Uh, you know, we went to Michigan State. John Gross's first game as our head coach in 2014 opened up there, about 75,000 in that one. Uh, we beat Ole Miss in 2010. Should have beaten Florida State 09 in Tallahassee. Had the lead at 9-7 in the last minute of the game down there. We've been to Georgia Tech twice, Ole Miss, as I mentioned, Mississippi State, Kentucky. Been to the Swamp in Florida. So, you know, since uh, 2008, really, we've been in, in at least one of these games every year in a couple of seasons. Um, you know, we've been in big stadiums like this, played at Arkansas. Tonight will be the seventh time we've played in an SEC venue. So, it's uh, – and most of these guys that will play tonight are used to it. We've got, you know, there'll be some new guys on the field. This will be the first time they've ever been called Tiger Meat or anything like that. So it'll be different mm-hmm. for them. But now these other guys, are, you know, last year at Auburn, as you said, and then in Michigan State, they've been here before. Mike Paris, voice of the Jacksonville State Gamecocks, is with us. Mike, what what is the difference? Okay, we have we have a local team that played extremely well today at ninth-ranked Georgia and Nickel State, and uh, that, that's kind of we've seen some teams that do that before. They'll get, I guess, say they roll a bone to the fans or, or to the division every now and then. App State, right. North Dakota State, Jacksonville State, of the numbers you just rubbed off, you've done that consistently. Uh, is is it something that one like that can show up, or does it have to be consistent going in and having those type of performances to have the Jacksonville State program where they are competing at the FCS level? Well, you know, you want to do it consistently. And, you know, we used to be in the league of nickel, uh, with Nichols. We first moved to Division One. Uh, we were in the Southland Football League for a few years uh, up until mm. 2003 when we joined the Ohio Valley Conference. Uh, the Southland, we were in there with McNeese, and Northwestern State was in there as well. And Troy at that time was FCS, or then it was on one AA before they made the move up to the FBS level. But you want to go in and, uh, well, like today and tonight, for the most part, the starting 22 on each side, and when you get special teams guys, LSU's got the advantage in some spots, but we can match up. The biggest difference to me in the games like this 85 scholarships versus 63. Yeah. And when you start going down the depth chart, that's where, and especially as humid as it is here right now, and I'm sure that heat's going to play a factor before the night's over. When they, when LSU starts making changes and going, say, 3D down there, that's the big difference for who they put on the field 3D and what Jacksonville State will put on the field 3D. Talking to Mike Paris, voice of Jacksonville State. Get cocky. And, uh, Mike, when you start reading about this Jacksonville so I love that slogan, by the way, excellent slogan. But when you read uh, about Jacksonville State, the player that jumps off the page is quarterback Eli Jenkins, um, a, a, a true dual threat in every sense of the word. Right. For his career, has 36 passing touchdowns, uh, 30 rushing touchdowns. What makes Jenkins so special? He's just a great athlete. Uh, he took over. Redshirt freshman year. Let me go back. We had time. I'll tell you this story. Bill Clark came in as our head coach in 2013. We had no quarterback. We get ready for spring practice. Eli came in in 2012 and had redshirted that year, played defensive back and quarterback in high school in Birmingham. But our previous coaching staff was going to play him as a DB. Clark comes wow. in. We don't have a quarterback. They moved him to quarterback, and, you know, the rest is history. We played North Alabama in 2013, second, third week of the season. That's who we opened up with last uh, week. It's amazing how far he's come from playing them in 2013 to where he is right now. He, you know, he was probably the best player on the field at Auburn last year, quite honestly. Just had a great day down there. Yep. He's 6'2", well, you know, 215 or so, can run. And his knowledge of the offense, he's got great knowledge of it, got great composure. He made a couple of throws last week. I'm sure he, he would like to have that. If he makes those tonight, they'll be picked off. They weren't in the game last week. But these guys tonight would, you know, get them for LSU. But, uh, he has great patience, waits for the play to develop, and uh, just 
I'm telling you, he's just cool. He's a smooth customer. He could be playing yeah. possibly at the next level. There were a lot of rumors, quite honestly, after the game at Auburn last year. He could have been a graduate senior like uh, Vernon Adams, you know, left Eastern Washington, graduated, played at Oregon last year. Yep. Now Oregon's got the young man from Montana State who graduated there and is now in Eugene. So there was some talk that uh, Gus Malzahn, you know, was looking for a quarterback at Auburn. So it was <laughs> some of the rumors at one time. <laughs> Ray Hammett, my color guy, said still is <laughs> talking about my <laughs> Yeah, I think anyway. that's right. <laughs> but uh, he's, I'm telling you, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen tonight, but I hope he, he puts on a show for the LSU people to show what kind of guy he really is. Talking to Mike Paris, voice of Jacksonville State, and yes, the new LSU defense versus uh, Eli Jenkins, one of the matchups to watch. I'm also intrigued, Mike, uh, LSU's offense, at least here locally, has been a big story, or I guess the lack of of offense uh how do you see jackson state how are they going to attempt to stop this very rush heavy attack and leonard Fournette, we don't know he may or may not go but regardless how do you see the gamecocks uh attacking defensively i i would think that we'll probably try to make harris uh beat us tonight i would think we'll probably stack the box and try to tackle number seven and not him break one long and just make him earn it and if he doesn't play you know, I didn't realize until I started preparing for this one. Grice is what a third-team preseason All SEC selection. Yeah. So, and he'd be yeah. starting at most places. Yeah. I mean, LSU fans, I, I know they're upset. Oh my gosh! All that you look, everybody's first, second, or third-team All SEC coming into the season. They got down the depth chart. So, Brandon Harris is preseason third-team All. He was third-team, so. which is yes. Which actually, though, I mean, we were talking about earlier today. The uh, state of quarterbacks in the SEC this season. Pretty much horrible, uh, right? Yes, yeah. not yeah. not up to their And that's by their own right. numbers. That's by their own numbers. But, I, well, you know, we ahead. lost a couple of guys. Last year, our front four, we had two Auburn transfers, a Tennessee and an Alabama transfer. We don't have any of those guys this year. Uh, Darius Jackson, who is number 40 for us, is our preseason defensive player of the year in the OBC going yep. into the season. But we don't have really the size of the bodies up front. You will see us rotate a lot of people up front. Uh, okay. The linebackers, our start linebackers, will play most of the snaps inside. But now those, those front four guys will rotate a lot of folks in and out throughout the night. Mike Paris, voice of the Jacksonville State Gamecocks, having a call tonight in Death Valley. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Hey, uh, you know, I'm a double enemy. Because you not know, only out here with Jacksonville State, but guys, I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, so I know y'all didn't want to hear that either. So. Well, well, Mike, that, that, that's all right. We 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 got we got the number on the Falcons. We just got to do something with Jacksonville State tonight. Oh man, thank you. Guys. Take care. I appreciate it. All right, yes, rise sir. up, Mike. Two six zero one eight seven. You can text angry us text coming at eight seventy eight seventy. Well, T. Bob, you know one thing's for sure. You counting last week at halftime. Uh, Coach Miles comes to the sidelines, and uh, Gordy Rush, LSU sign our reporter, ask him, you know, what about the passing oh. game? And uh, LSU starts 0 for 3, 1 for 6, and they finish 3 for 9 at halftime for 38 yards. And says, I think we're passing the ball pretty well. Now, yeah. with that said, you know, not to his credit, not to his fault, but 12 or 21 is not that bad. There was a few drops out there that, you know, Brandon Harris could could have had in his favor. But tonight, you know, I could see a situation where as much as people want to see a different quarterback, look, Brandon Harris, he needs the work, T-Bob. He needs a lot of work tonight. Yeah, I mean, if – if and, and just talking to Mike, look, Jacksonville State, I, I would imagine if I'm their coaching staff, I'm going to go look at the Arkansas film, look at the Ole Miss film, look at the film from last week. And it's not that you – 
it's not that they necessarily have players uh, up, up to the talent level of some of those teams, but scheme-wise, you know, you can emulate things, just just stack the box, try to confuse LSU's offensive line like they were last week, hit him with a hit him with a mixture of different uh, blitzes and looks, and in the attempt to force Harris to beat you. I mean, that's what the Gamecocks are going to be able to do, and I think it go a long way towards both his and those uh, the, his receivers' confidence that they can put together a good attack. As far as the quote goes last week, um, man, he, he really could not have misspoken more. I mean, yeah. it was it was it was highlighted in multiple post game articles, and rightfully so. Like, right. granted, I don't I'm not one who takes it literally. Uh, I don't think he meant that the passing game was doing well. I think it was just coach speak. You know, he, he was just right. kind of generically throwing something out there to answer for a half. But the perception, regardless of what the truth is, the perception is that uh, the fan it speaks to someone to who was not man. plugged in. Well, the perception is that, right. is that it speaks to someone who just and, wasn't paying attention, maybe and, and bumbling you know what, around a bit. Here's the thing, too, T. About the thing that there's always, you know, there's always something in sports. There's always some, and seemingly now the thing in sports is you hear people talk about well, culture. You know, it's it's the culture. That's the kind of thing or the process. One thing you see coaches talk about, and the media always gives it's, it's the truth. Always gives them a pass on. Well, we gotta look at the tape. Just say I gotta look at the tape. Just say I gotta look at well, the tape, and then then that buys you that buys you 24 hours or so before you meet with the media, and it's a legitimate it's a legitimate thing. I need to see what we what we saw and so forth. Get on that because look, that that's a much better answer than some other stuff you're hearing. And, or or I mean just just to be just be completely honest, say our offense has not played well yeah. in either oh, phase of the game, right? Right? right. Like, yeah. Like I, I I think I'm sure he had other things on his mind. He's trying to think about adjustments. What's he going to say? It happened. So I think it was like I said. I think it was a case of him just reverting to coach speak, just kind of right. going on autopilot. But the problem is, is that that autopilot feeds into a very negative perception uh, that is already widely spread to the LSU fan base. I mean, Ron Higgins' article. After the game hit the nail on the head where he called it the worst game that Les Miles didn't see. Uh, calling him out for that quote, day, kind yeah. of painted like someone who's not fully uh, locked into the game. I mean, look, this this entire pregame show, though, is indicative of where this program is at. Uh, it's because what have we talked about this entire time? We barely really touched on the game. I mean, we've, we've maybe just for a couple of minutes discussed who Jacksonville State is. But like almost every single show we did this week, the conversation has centered right. around less miles and job security. And, and the reason why this matchup tonight isn't ideal for LSU is that this doesn't offer an out. Uh, there's no, you know, there's no ace coming on the river to give you the full house, get you out. This is a situation where no matter what happens tonight, fans are still going to continue to be frustrated. And those feelings of frustration, they're going to be allowed to ferment. They're going to be allowed to grow and it's do you, do you see even divisiveness amongst the fan base right. in, in in the stadium today? I mean, Jacksonville State has the ability to uh, to kind of cause a rift tonight if they play LSU close, like I right. fully believe them to be uh, capable of. All right, we'll come back and get you set for the final half hour, and we will hear our game preview with Mark Menard. Counting down to LSU and Jacksonville State, the Tigers and the Gamecocks. It sounded hyped up, didn't it? Yeah. Because it sure ain't. Get cocky. That's right. Get cocky. (laughs) All right. Coming back on WWL. And welcome back. He is T-Bob Bear. I'm Deke Bellator. Coming up next half hour, we'll get T-Bob's prediction, his game breakdown, and Mark Menard gives you his preview on LSU and Jacksonville State. Let's go to Slidell for Terry on line one. Terry, thank you for calling WWL. Hey, Deke and T-Bob, I've called last year. Yeah, I was how in, you doing, Terry? Terry? Good to hear from you, man. I was in Green Bay last week, and I drank the purple and gold Kool-Aid for the last time. Yeah, it took me. 
I mean, I, I drank the Kool-Aid, man. You know, I thought yeah. this is going to be But, Terry, I'm going to tell you what, and I've been saying this all week long, man. Dude, don't. Don't don't let the other fans, other people say you're crazy or whatever. Cause I, I oh, no. look, I, I look. It was different. It was different than times before in November. It was different, and and I don't think you were expecting to see a ton like something to come out with a spread of wide open. But you wanted to see something different, and we saw nothing different. Right, I agree with you 100 percent. We did. I thought the defense played well. It was a great trip to Lambo. I wouldn't have passed it up for no love, no money. <laughs> but you know, I drank the Kool Aid, and, and on the way home, I had to sober up because. <laughs> if that's how we played the rest of the year, I'm sorry, but you know, uh, as much as I, D can tell you, I've been every stadium in the FTC that LSU played, and I called yeah. it from West Virginia and all over. But that was the worst road football game I've ever been to in my entire life, and I've been to a lot of them. So, you yeah, know, and, I hope. Every- well, I'll just to say, Terry, we kind of talked about it earlier. Just one of those things. I think you just echo it. Uh, what decides how upset you get is where you land in relation to your expectations, and that was it was a flop in every sense of the word for LSU last week. That's why I said I drank the Kool-Aid, man, and you know now I got to sober up. Hopefully, it's a, can... look once again, objectively speaking, going into the season, there was no reason to think this wasn't going to be a very good LSU team. Hell. There are still reasons, talent-based arguments to be made for believing in this team. It's just that after one game, with the sample size that we have, it's hard to say that we expect them to be the team that we did just a couple of weeks ago. But uh, technically, mathematically, Deke, this is still a team that controls its own destiny. No doubt about it. He's T. Bob Abraham, I'm Deke Bellavia. One half hour left to go. Counting down to LSU and Jacksonville State at 635 kickoff tonight right here on Tiger Radio, WWL.